0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hi, Sarah. So it is Sunday. Listeners, thank you for joining us. This is a More Than Mom episode, which, as you know, gives us full permission to talk about something totally random and not at all related to parenthood. So we hear from a lot of you that you love these Sunday More Than Moms. We're glad you're here. Today, we are talking about what we, Megan and Sarah, were like. As children and teenagers. Mm.
1: I love this. And you know, what's funny is I, there's a, there's a lot in sort of like yoga philosophy about sort of like, um, you just have to get back to where you already, the person you already are. Like it's all in you already, you know what I mean? And then we, we paint all these layers on top of ourselves with our, our perceptions of things and relationships and you know, striving for material success and all of those things, and that basically what that's doing is like covering your true essence. Mm. It's sort of the, um, like it's a very simplified way of, of stating that. But anyway, sometimes I think about like who I was as a kid, and I think was that the true Megan? Because yeah. if so, I don't know, man. It's, like, <laughs> <laughs> <I> it's questionable. <laughs> mean, it's questionable. I feel like that if you set the true Megan free, I would just be like talking to myself in the woods. And honestly, maybe that's my true essence.
0: I wonder if that's where, you're, where you'll end up when you're like 80. <laughs> you'll return <laughs> to talking Wandering to through the woods, talking to myself. And oh my gosh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> okay, well, actually, it's so perfect you brought up like yoga, which is like where you've been spending a lot of time. I have been doing a fair amount of therapy work, more traditional therapy work than I had done in the past when I've seen a therapist or a counselor, which also has you thinking about, you know, what, what survival skills did you learn in childhood? Like what, what um, assumptions did you make about the world when you were a kid that sort of led you to adopt these coping skills? And and whether or not you had a, like, capital T traumatic childhood or you were just trying to make sense of the world in your own way and combine that with just how you came out, because that's so much of, like, who we are, I think, is pretty hardwired no matter what. Um, So it's funny that, the, like, we both probably in the background have thoughts about what we were like as kids and how that relates to how we are today. I don't know. I mean, so Megan, you have five kids, 13 to 20 something. Mine are nine, 12 and 14 right now. Do you do the thing where as each of your kids enters a phase or an age, do you just kind of naturally think, what was I like at that age? Mm. I feel like for oh, me, yeah. it's constantly introducing like, Oh, right. Nine. What was nine like, or what was 14? Mm. Like, so I think about that a lot too. That.
1: And I think I, I find myself because I have so many kids. I find myself like scouring I don't know their behavior and trying to see glimpses of myself at that age and to being like oh so is you know is Jacob like me in this way is William like me in this way is Clara like me in this way and I I like and some of my kids I don't feel like are anything like me which is Mm -hmm. almost in a way like less disturbing because they can just be themselves whereas when it's like Clara I think we share a lot of of tendencies and like, um, characteristics and will, and I do too. And I'll sometimes be looking at them and being like, am I just now applying my perception? Like, am I projecting, truly projecting on them, myself on them? Yeah.
0: It's so tricky. Well, and I have the added, uh, plot twist that I moved back to the town I grew up in. So my younger two kids attend the elementary school that I went to, like Mm we drive around town and go to the library where I was a child. So it is trippy. It's fun. I think. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you before we jump in and we really are just going to reflect on what we were like as, as kids and teens, but I wanted to ask you how accurate or inaccurate do you think your own perceptions and memories are about what you were like as a kid? Like we're going to spend a whole episode talking about this. Do you think some of it might be full of baloney or like with your own adult, um, like sensibilities layered on?
1: Well, it's funny you should ask that because when I started to think about this I started to like write notes about how I was as a kid and one of the things I was going to say was that I was really quiet and then I was like no I wasn't I never shut up when I was a kid <laughs> but I but I was like in my own head like I was not um I wouldn't say I acted extroverted I didn't I wasn't like super putting myself out there and chatty I think I was just constantly making some sort of noise so that I had to kind of remind myself that just because I didn't perceive myself as a noisy kid does not mean everyone else didn't perceive me as a noisy kid. And just because I don't feel like I was super outgoing doesn't mean that I was quiet. I was not quiet.
0: Exactly. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I I think same thing. I feel like everyone needs to take our self-reporting with a giant grain of salt because we're our most biased observers, I think. A lot of my things are based on memories. And I think me- like childhood and even teenage memories are so episodic in the way they work for me. So I might remember being worried and anxious in a particular season of childhood. I don't know that that means I was that way chronically for my whole childhood and vice versa. Like, so I don't know, as we go through, I'll tell a couple stories about things. My mom has told me about what I did and I'm like, Oh, that's different than what, how I remember being. So I think, um, permission to share all of these memories and then just know that like, we we can't really know. I guess you you have your older siblings and I have my parents, but their their memories are also going to be their own soup of what they yeah. remember. It's interesting.
1: Well, and I think that we've talked on the show a lot about how we remember like when we make a big deal about something like a holiday. Yeah. Um and the way we experienced it as kids and then you have to kind of realize that actually your memory is probably very skewed and that you're only remembering what that one holiday yes. that things went great or terrible or whatever, for whatever reason, that memory stuck in your mind. And that is definitely not the full picture. And so like, just like it will be for your kids. Like what we remember is through, there's, like, there's a lot of reasons that those memories stick. And then that is what yeah. builds our perception of who we were. So,
0: yeah. interesting. Yeah. um, well, Before we actually launch in, now is a good time to remind everybody that we are always accepting your listener questions. When you send us in a parenting challenge or even a question you just have for the two of us, Um, you can email those to hello at themomhour.com. And in a couple of weeks, we're getting ready to do another uh, back to back two parter of taking your listener questions. And I always forget, Megan, to give people enough time. I'm always like, oh, by the way, (laughs) sending questions by tomorrow. That would be great. So this is me giving you at least a week or two to send us in your questions. Uh, We love when you record your voice and send in a little audio clip, but you don't have to. You can email it too. Again, it's hello at themomhour.com and it helps us if you put listener question in the subject line, then we can find it easily and we'll be getting ready to record those in a couple of weeks and can't wait to hear your questions. Looking forward to it.
1: Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code momour at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's FromOurPlace.com, code momour.
0: Okay, Megan. So, I would like to know what you were like as a child and let's use roughly the parameters of elementary school. So, like ages okay. like 6 to 11, like something in like yeah. in that range.
1: So, I would say I was very dreamy and imaginative. Um, I was Very chatty, like I said, but more chatty with like my close friends and my siblings. I do remember them paying me a quarter to be quiet in the car (laughs) um, and other things. I was also the youngest, which I think just gave me the reputation for being, you know, annoying all the time. But I do think I just talked a lot. Um, I was always reading. I was always talking and singing to myself and my imaginary friends. I had a lot, Mm -hmm. a lot of imaginary friends. I had my dolls and my stuffed animals. I think I just always had some narrative and story that was playing out like all the time when I wasn't reading and absorbing someone else's Mm -hmm. narrative and story. Um, In school, one way I kind of like, I don't know, came up with these answers was I thought, well, how would my teachers have perceived? Because I think teachers get a very different, maybe more real view sometimes of what kids are like in, in um, in that environment. And just for that brief period of time, they're not adding their own projections onto it often the same way maybe a parent will be so I would have said my my teachers probably would have thought I was very sweet Mm -hmm. um well-behaved but like not very good at paying attention Mm -hmm. and um in my I was very young for my grade so I was really a class pet like I remember everyone (laughs) treating me I really was like everyone (laughs) treated me like I was like the cute little sister which kind of drove me nuts because I wanted to be you know taken seriously Um, but it also meant they were very protective of me in a way. And like, you know, no mean substitute teachers. I actually remember like a mean substitute teacher and my classmates, like going and telling the principal that she had made me cry because uh-huh. they were so affronted. Um, so yeah, all of those things, like well-behaved, but like, why was I well-behaved? You know, like I thought yeah. about that. Was I well-behaved because I actually... Wanted to break, like to follow the rules. Did I just want to be liked? Did it just not occur to me to break the rules? I don't know. Or maybe there's a lot to unpack.
0: Maybe you were so whimsical and imaginative that your, like, your state of leisure didn't really rub up against any rules. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, a boisterous, physically rambunctious kid, or a really wiggly kid, or like a, you know, or a, there's all kinds of ways that kids present. Just might naturally rub up against rules. And you were probably like you said, a little bit dreamy, a little distracted, but very I was too busy staring out the window to like get in any trouble. Like it would never have occurred to me. And the
1: times that I got in trouble in school, um, I have one very specific memory of getting in trouble because I helped my friend cheat. So it was all the, um, that I think it was fourth grade. Actually. Yes. I remember the teacher even it was fourth grade and we all started grading each other's homework. Okay which is just a disaster. Like, I just think that's a recipe for so many yes. social d- bound, uh, dynamics to become very problemed. Um, and I had my bully best friend, Marcy, and she didn't come right out and say, don't mark any of mine wrong. Right. But she implied heavily that it would be best for my physical well-being mm-hmm. <laughs> if she were to get at least a 90 and she wasn't that great of a student. So there was no way that was going to happen yeah. on her own. And I remember like overlooking two or three mistakes. And my teacher caught me and then got up and shamed me in front of the class oh. for like a really long time. And like, that's like one of those memories that has, it's like foundational. Yeah. Like, I never forget it, And but I'll kind of pick that apart and be like, okay, so what was the part of like, what was my characteristic? besides not wanting to get beat up by my friend where I didn't feel like I could say no, or I didn't just do it and saw what happened or I didn't go tell the teacher. Like there was a lot to unpack and a lot happening there. Um, And yeah, that's just like, that's one time I got in trouble. And then another time, well, I would get in trouble for my grades. They were often terrible. Like after about fourth grade, my grades just really tanked. And I remember that the, um, by the time it got to the level where like a principal was involved or something like that, they would just look really confused and say but you're so you're such a good student. Like they didn't understand that actually I was a terrible student because I was a really well-behaved kid. Yeah. Um who was smart and they took that to mean like somehow that meant right. I was a good student. I was not good. Not a
0: good student. So Do you think there anyway. was some like what we would now today call executive functioning like remembering oh, to put the paper in the basket yes. and like like that sort of um yeah, that ability as a little kid by fourth, fifth, sixth grade turns into like, you know, sometimes a struggle to remember to do the thing, even though you're very, very bright. Um, it was homework yeah. that killed me.
1: Yeah. There was no, I had fantastic grades until there was homework. And yeah. then I would go home from school and I would go home with all the best of intentions and all my stuff. I would have all my stuff in my bag. And then it was literally like the moment I walked through the door, all it ceased to exist. Yeah. Like it was in an alternate I can only describe it as like my school life and all the homework I had brought home with me were like floating (laughs) in this ether where I thought I would just get to it later, I guess. And then in the morning, it would be like an unpleasant surprise every time I would be like, oh. Shoot, I was supposed to do stuff yesterday. Yeah. And I just didn't. Unless there was a project that really like got me excited, something that I would want to work on when I got home and that I'd remember, I would just completely blank out and forget. Yeah. So yeah.
0: I yeah. love this. I love this already. I want to like, hear about you. Okay. Little Sarah. We're, we're, yeah, little Sarah. <laughs> um so, oh, I had one more follow up question for you, though, because it's going to keep coming up that you were younger, young for your grade, because this, this, obviously that didn't go away. Can you remind me when you, when you, well, you have a summer birthday that would have made you regular young, and then you skipped a grade, correct? Yep. I skipped
1: first grade into second grade when I was probably a month into into the year.
0: So you started first grade and you were newly six because you wouldn't have turned six until July anyway. And then they were like, actually, you're going to go to second grade. And now you're a young six in second grade. So then for the rest of elementary school, I just I think that's interesting. And it doesn't happen as much anymore, at least in the school in the states I've lived, the states and counties I've lived in, it's quite rare. Um And more and more kids are held back. So then you have the extra old kids. So yeah, you were a, a year and a half younger than a lot of your peers.
1: A year and a half. And I think that that really, I mean, I, you know, they, they didn't know what they didn't know. And right. and I can't blame anybody now, but that executive functioning stuff, I just yeah. wasn't ready. And I was, I was intelligent enough. I could read really well. And I think that was kind of what, like I could do, I could do everything. Okay. Like math and everything. I was at a second grade level, but reading, I was like at a sixth grade level right. and they were like, well, this is silly to have her in first grade when the kids are learning how to, you know, spell out three letter words, she's going to be really bored. I just don't, maybe, I don't know that there would have been a different way for that particular school at that particular time to really help me out and meet me where I was, unless they just let me sit in the back and read (laughs) what I wanted to read. Um, which maybe nowadays, like that would actually, there'd be more groups or, you know, different levels or different ways to, um, to what's the word like personalized. There's a word that I'm missing, individualized. But yeah. individualized. Thank you. Um, it just didn't exist at that time in that school and that environment. So I just think that what I ran up against probably starting around fourth grade, which is when I was eight, I was eight in fourth grade was yeah. just not being able to keep up organizationally.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and I did, you know, for a long time, I'm like, well, maybe, you know, maybe I have some ADD or ADHD, some, you know, some small amount that was not debilitating, but like was back then kind of debilitating. Yeah. And then in my twenties, I finally figured out like how to get stuff done. It yeah. took me a, lo- a lot of my life to do that.
0: Well, I And I'm still not great at it. I just have workarounds. I so. don't think you're alone in that. I think. Yeah. yeah. And I think the grade skipping is fascinating. So maybe we'll hear from some grade skipping listeners too. Yeah. Okay. So little Sarah um, I, Sarah, I was small, so I wasn't young for my age, but I was quite small for my age all the way up until early high school. So when you talked about being the little sister, I remember I was always second tiniest in my class and even in my grade. So I was quite little petite. Um, those who don't know me or haven't seen a bunch of pictures might not know. I was pretty blonde as a kid. So just to create a visual picture, cause I've been a brunette my whole adult life, but kind of dirty blonde, but growing mm-hmm. up in California I would get plenty blonde, especially in the summer, a little bit freckly. Um, I was pretty serious. Um, I think at school I was very like rule following, very bright. Um, I really liked school and I liked all of the, um, the actual learning of school. So I did really, really well in school. Um, even though I was introverted and serious, I was not shy necessarily. I always had two or three or four friends. I do remember little, like, friendship scuffles, like not, you know, this person didn't want to play with this person. I remember that, but I don't remember feeling lonely or like without friends. And so I I must have managed to have like, even though I was kind of serious and a little bit anxious and studious and all of those introverted things, I actually remember playing a lot on the playground. So I think what I learned to do was match up with people who were a little more outgoing than me or more imaginative more creative. And honestly, that is true my whole life. Like I pair really well with free spirits and outgoing people. And I must've done that early. Cause I do remember really nice little friendships in elementary school, but the teachers would have said I was very bright, very studious, a little bit serious. I think I, this is like going to sound sad and I don't mean it to be really sad. I think I was holding it together a lot and like almost on the verge of tears. And I don't know if that was because mm. I was low grade anxious and didn't know how to talk about it. But I remember if I ever had to go to the school office to call my mom, like, let's say I wasn't feeling well or um, I forgot my lunch or anything, even if the even if it was a very benign circumstance, I would go to the office. I would barely get through the conversation with the secretary or the nurse or whoever. And they'd put me on the phone and I would just burst into tears. It was like mm. so I think I was high function. I was high functioning but maybe a little bit worried or or dealing with some kind of feelings. Holding it together, yeah. I think I did mm-hmm. a lot at school. Um, at home, I was more creative and more solitary. So at school, I think I was pretty social. I really liked the learning. I liked, I liked school a lot. At home, I would read or draw in my room for long periods of time. So I was definitely introverted at home and I was the oldest. And um, I do think that as I got maybe later elementary school, I think I was, well, I had a new sister when I was eight and a half. So I had a brother two years younger. And then we had a baby sister when we were eight and six. So I think I even more kind of, I got much more social. I wanted to play with friends a lot. I liked having friends over. So it's almost like, I feel like I'm creating a dual picture. There's like the studious rule following kind of serious, a little bit anxious, Sarah, But I also play I played a lot in the neighborhood. I played a lot of make believe by fourth, fifth grade. I wanted to be a little older and wear dangly earrings and look at magazines. (laughs) And so I think with my friends, I was decently outgoing and social. Um, I don't know. Where I'll I'll pause there.
1: Did you tend to be friends with girls or kids? I guess your same age, a little younger, a little older. Like, what was your pattern there
0: in elementary school? Definitely same age, and that was probably circumstance. Like, my source of friends was elementary school. We had Nate. We did have. We lived in a couple different neighborhoods where there were friends nearby, but even those were exactly my age, and they would have like a sibling that matched up with my brother's age. So mostly same age, and because I was the oldest, I unlike you, like I really wasn't like cavorting around with anybody older than me, like really until junior high. And we'll get into the junior high years later, but that probably kept me pretty innocent, honestly, because, and you know, my parents were first time I was there first. So we were doing things that were my age or below. I didn't have any cousins who were older. So that's a great question is, and I do think later I got intimidated by what I perceived to be like beyond my you know, things beyond my, um, Ken. Ken. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was thinking of. So yeah, great question.
1: Well, and I, and I'm just thinking about the friendship dynamic thing, cause I think that's so telling. And that's something where I feel like my memory, at least if not, if, if not, uh, sorry, if not of the specific things that were happening, um, at least of what the dynamics were like and who I was friends with is a pretty accurate memory. And mm-hmm. I can look back and there's a long string of me befriending bossy, bossy girls. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I was the youngest. Maybe I was looking to be bossed. Maybe I was just, I don't know, kind of vulnerable to that sort of dynamic. Um, that happened for like years and years and years. I didn't really outgrow that dynamic until I was an adult.
0: So interesting.
1: It's interesting. And I I wonder what yours, what your friendships dynamics were like.
0: Yeah. Well, and I do think I, I was risk averse and, and there was part of it. Like, I think I, I liked friends who were fun and exciting as I got older and we'll get into this. I didn't like people who made me feel unsafe either mm. because they were breaking the rules a little bit more or unpredictable. So that's pretty consistent. I also just remembered one more thing that my, this is one that my mom told me a teacher said, and I thought, Oh, so she told me that my fourth grade teacher said I was, I wasn't wimpy was not the right word. Like, um, like timid or that well, it wasn't that word either. It was sort of like I, I needed to um, toughen up a little bit. And I wonder if it's that verge of tears thing. Like, I bet you anything, if I had to talk to a teacher about something hard, I bet I cried. And I bet I didn't cry any other time. So I think they perceived me as like this quiet, studious, you know, decently confident little kid, because I think I, in some ways, I was quite academically confident. But then if something felt unsafe. Or if I had to go outside my comfort zone, I cried for a long time. And it's funny because I really don't, I hardly ever cry now.
1: Hmm. Well, yeah, but it sounds like again, that like holding it together, being very on edge. Yes. Um, your nervous system, they would in a, in a Victorian book, they would call you a nervous child. I
0: was. Yeah. And now we know so much about that, like nervous system and dysregulation and like, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think all of this is like, we all want to go back and be like, Oh honey, yeah, like it's.
1: I know. And I, I mean, I had a lot of um, ticks, like a, a lot of anxiety created ticks, but I don't know if I was actually anxious or if that's just something kids do. Like I chewed things. I blinked. I had that like, I can't even think about it because I'll start doing it. But where I would blink really hard uh-huh. because I thought my eyeballs itched. I would breathe really hard because I thought my lungs itched. I mean, I had a whole bunch of them and it's hard when I think about it to not start doing it. But was that because I was just a nervous mess or was it because all kids are sort of a nervous mess because your nervous system is literally trying to figure right. out how to regulate. It's, it's really hard for me to know that. And I'm not a, I'm not a child, obviously not a child psychologist. So I don't, right. I don't know. Um, but I think that that is fascinating. Like the different ways our bodies and minds and emotions respond to just the work of being a kid. Yes. Like being a kid is hard work. Yes. There's a lot going on. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you have any memories of yourself? at that age, like as a, as a young kid Mm -hmm. where you feel like you behaved in a way that seemed very out of character. And then what did that actually say about you? I have two and I'll go first because then you can think about yours. Um, but these two really stand out to me as things like where maybe I just, instead of just being always on the edge and then like, you know, kind of like you were maybe, you know, holding it together, but like losing it in little tiny, little tiny blips, maybe I would just hold it in longer and then lose it all at once, like spectacularly. So one was we went, my mom and I, and a friend of my mom's went to some fair or festival that was held at the high school. I remember that I was probably, I'm going to say seven or eight. And we went and they had, um, they had helium balloons. And I had gotten it into my head that what I wanted more than anything was a helium balloon, which by the way, aren't hard to get. Yeah. (laughs) Like, we're not even talking fancy. This is like a rubber helium balloon. Yeah. And I think it was some, one of those things where you would like attach a card to it with your address and then let it go. And then it was supposed to end up someplace. It was something like oh, that. I don't I, remember oh gosh, anything else. Totally, remember that? Yes. Remember when that oh environment gosh. polluting thing yeah. was, a, was a, a total trend. So I told my mom, I didn't want to release my balloon. I wanted to keep it. And she said, okay, that's fine. I mean, who cares? My mom, I don't think it was like a blip. She's like, okay, whatever. And then she went back to talk to her friend. And so I'm like, carrying this balloon around. Like it's my precious little pet. Like, I don't know why I got so attached to this balloon, but I thought about bringing it home and like what I would do with it when I got it home. And like, it just felt like this. I had so many hopes and dreams wrapped up in this. It's rubber balloon that probably (laughs) cost a dollar. And it was a really hot day and it popped it like I was. I think I was like literally snuggling it and it popped and I lost my mind. Aww. Like I had a crying, absolute, just complete meltdown where I'm crying and sobbing that I want a balloon. And so my mom is just looking at me like, what is wrong with Like, I just don't think she knew what to do. Yeah. She just was staring at me like, my child is losing her mind. I don't know what's going on. She's like, I remember her friend saying, I bet she's tired. I mean, <laughs> but I was such a like, a, like a compliant kid yeah. that for me to have a public crying fit at that, I was kind of old for that over a balloon was okay. A problem. All right. So then flash forward, like three months, maybe two, three months. My dad came to pick me up to take me to, um, a family thing of some sort. And at that point I was thinking, I was seeing my dad like every other weekend it was a divorced family, but, but I, that had been our routine for three years by that mm-hmm. point. It wasn't like new. And when he came, it turned out that something had happened. I was supposed to have a friend over. And then at the last minute, I decided to go with my dad. I wasn't going to go. And then I decided like at the last minute to go. And it was a really awkward, like if you had a divorced family or if you are a divorced family, this is just one of those classic moments where like both of my parents want me to be with them and um, I want to do both of the things yeah. and I can't, I have to make a choice. Right. So I'm standing there. My dad's like waiting for John to get his stuff. And he's like, so are you going to go or not? And my mom had said that if I stayed, I could get a balloon. (laughs) So (laughs) I had shot number two in a balloon because my friend and I, she was going to take us to like the circus
0: or something. And I was going to get a balloon.
1: And at the last minute I felt so bad about not going to my, I think it was my uncle's like, um, retirement from the military. I felt so bad about not going that I went, I went uh-huh. with my dad and we get in the car and we're driving and it's like a really long drive and we get about an hour outside of town and I start crying, sobbing about how I want a
0: balloon. <laughs> it just wasn't, it, it just it, hadn't healed. It hadn't, it hadn't healed,
1: but I'm just looking at this and saying, obviously this was not about a balloon. Right. But what was it? What like, was it? What was it? Sarah, I didn't mean for this episode to turn into my therapy, but I'm just like, what, what was I deprived of that I thought a balloon would fix? And then how do these two completely different experiences both end up being about a balloon? Well, hmm. You don't have to like solve this for me. I just, it's, I mean, I guess I could just now surround myself with balloons. You could. I don't even really
0: care about them yeah. now. Your next birthday, your house is going to be filled <laughs> with balloons. All of balloons. I, like in a yeah. sentence. If I were to, like armchair therapist, I just wonder if like you didn't have a lot of opportunity or experience advocating for yourself. And when it came right. out, it was large and uncomfortable and then it probably scared you, but it, it's still right. there. Like, you you yeah. know, being able to, and knowing you as an Enneagram too, and someone who wants to make other people comfortable and feel loved, like you wanted the dang Balloon and the the way that it came out for you to self advocate was like it was alien to everybody because it wasn't something that you were used to doing. And then yeah, and then that pain is just real.
1: Well, and I remember my dad having the exact same reaction as my mom. He's just staring at me. I'm in the passenger (laughs) seat, and we're driving, and my brother's in the back seat, like, "Oh, brother!" And my dad's just like, "Megan, like, pull yourself together. What's wrong with you?" And it makes me think about my kids. And sometimes their reactions to things that just seem so crazy or like so out of left field, they're not There's Something is happening in their little brains or their you know, not there's so little anymore, but there's something happening behind every illogical reaction, um, irrational thing that, you know, their reactions or their irrational emotional outbursts or whatever. There's something there. But you have to pull back a lot of layers to get to it. And I couldn't have I couldn't have said at that age that probably what it was, was that I waited for opportunities for things like that to not put anybody else out. Yeah, Like I could have just asked my mom if she would get me a balloon Yeah, and she probably would have been happy to do it. But I didn't do that. I waited until there was like an event where there would be a free balloon that I could just have. Right. And then, you know, those two opportunities didn't work out. And so I, like, I felt so deprived, like I felt like the only opportunity I would ever have. So Anyway, wow, Sarah, you're like my inner child um, psychologist today, so I therapist. Love it. Well, so I'm unqualified,
0: we can... unqualified, but it, it's fun <laughs> to hear the stories. Um, well, do you
1: have a memory that you feel like was out of character for you?
0: Yeah, I have two that I thought of as you were talking um, that feel out of character. For me, the first I am having a little deja vu. Like I told I don't think I told the story on the podcast. And even if I did, just bear with me. But I was when I was in second grade, I lived in a house that's actually really close to the house I live in now. Um, and I only lived there for like two years. So I was like seven, eight, maybe not even nine, seven and eight when I lived there. And I like I said, I had a good little group of friends at school and then a new girl moved in next door who also went to our school, but she was brand new. So she was my new next door neighbor and she was in our grade at school, but I don't think she was in my class. So I didn't know her very well at school and she had moved up from L.A. And then I already kind of had my friends. So in this scenario, I was socially a little bit more powerful than and that's why it feels out of character. So the new girl next door had a swimming pool. They put in a swimming pool when they first moved in. So she moves in. We see her around school, but I don't think she's in my class they do some construction. And then by that summer, or maybe, I don't know, I don't know the time of year, she's got a functioning swimming pool next door. And she has two younger brothers and my mom was friendly with the mom, but she and I were not, we were not playing together regularly, even though we could have been, cause she lived right next door. So my little friends from school would be over one in particular, and we would decide that we wanted to go swimming, but we weren't friends or even very friendly with the girl next door. And so we would go out by my backyard fence and like kind of be real obviously playing loud. And we we would like drag a chair over and stand up and look over the fence and be like, oh fancy seeing you here. Oh my gosh, you guys are playing in your backyard too. Oh wow you have a pool. And like whoa we would (laughs) manipulate the situation to get ourselves an invite next door. And I'm sure it was so obvious. Like we were eight. We were eight. Yes. But I remember feeling quite socially powerful. Like I was manipulating Mm -hmm. and that and then a little bit of guilt like this poor girl next door. Actually, later, I was good friends with that girl next door. We just hadn't found our neighbor friendship yet. And I already had my school friends and my school friends would be over and I'd be like, oh, you know what we can do? We can go swimming next door. Like I I know the girl next door. And then we'd go out back and we'd manipulate the situation until we got an invite to the pool. And the reason I think I remember it is I knew it wasn't right. Like I knew that was using somebody and I knew it probably didn't feel good to the mom who was like, she probably really wanted her daughter to make real friends and not just like get like self-invited over the kid next door. There was a whole bunch that I already knew didn't feel quite right. And yet it also felt kind of powerful to be able to like, score the invite to the pool next door. So that was one that came up. Well, and
1: so much of that probably was about, it wasn't about you wanting, because I had many situations I found myself in like that, where it was like competing interests. Like there's my one interest where I want to be a good person yeah. and I want to be genuinely kind and, and uh, ethical and do the right thing. But then there's these other people that I want to impress. Yeah. Or I want to please. Yep. And so the, sometimes they would be putting the pressure and sometimes they wouldn't. Sometimes it was all about like me going, what piece of it for me it was like gossip like what piece of yeah. information could i offer up that would make me look really good to this group of people and i uh, got myself in some trouble with that and i finally figured out that it wasn't worth it but it took me some hard lessons yeah, yeah. and
0: a lot of that childhood is finding like that pa- like oh i can be powerful in this way like and it's not right. it's not always um flattering <laughs> or like it's right. not always the type of skills you want to grow into Eventually, but it's a test. Like that's what kids right. are doing; is they're testing. Um, the last one will take us. My last story will take us to break because I. I would say this. This out of character memory is on the verge of preteen, and we're going to talk about junior high and high school later. But this is sixth grade, so I still was uh, eleven, turning twelve. I, I would have been eleven, so I, I was still solidly a child. And I had been wearing, I may have also told this story on the podcast, but I'd been wearing a lot of dangly earrings because I got my ears pierced at age nine, which would have been 1989. So the end of the eighties, a lot of really big plastic dangly earrings. And I was allowed to wear them. So I wore a lot of cheap dangly earrings and my earring holes were always infected and really, really infected and gross. So I must have And then separate from that. So I think I made a deal with my mom about not wearing dangly earrings. It wasn't any kind of modesty or like you're too young for that thing. It was literally like you need to like heal your ears. So there was that. And then I also liked to borrow my mom's earrings. And I was not supposed to do that because I didn't always put them back. So I was supposed to be wearing only certain earrings and definitely not my mom's earrings. And I decided that I would make an exception to that rule on Picture day on school picture day, so I went mm. in my mom's jewelry box where, where there's going to be phot- photographic like, proof what? This and is evidence like of what you've the done. Most flawed logic, <laughs> clearly a really? child who isn't used to breaking rules and covering it up. And they were from the Nature Company. Do you remember that mall store, the Nature Company? Yes. Um, and yes. they were um, they weren't cheap then. Those no, were not cheap earrings. Yeah, weren't, but they were kind of um, they were gold and they were a gl- a world like the like the world, but it was um thin, light gold in the shape of the earth, right? And so kind of a larger circle, but lightweight and um gold and quite dangly. And I think it was those. Either that, and now if I find the photographic evidence, I might be wrong. Cause there were a couple pairs that um that I would borrow from my mom, but I was not supposed to anymore. I wore them on Picture Day and the pictures came back and it was like, oh, huh. I thought we were um not going to be stealing my earrings out of my jewelry box. And I just like, remember, I I don't actually remember. I, I think I did get in trouble or I got at least banned from wearing more dangly earrings, but I just can't believe that I didn't think that one through it. It's so much logic,
1: right? It doesn't, it doesn't check the boxes for a Sarah. No, like um, very out of character. Yes. Because you should have seen that coming. Really, Sarah, you should have. I mean, you should have known on. better. Go back
0: to following the rules, Sarah. You're clearly not good. you're not cut out for this life. Oh, my gosh.
1: We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh. But you know what's good to go? My shoes.
0: Haya's Chewable Kids Vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free.
1: Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash momhour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash momhour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults.
0: All right. So Megan, I am dying to know, I I wrote in our outline, what were you like in junior high? But actually you were like a child in junior high. So let's let's leave childhood behind and let's call it like, what were you like as a young teen? Um, And and we will make, we'll make sure to save time at the end for older teen. But I know for me, 13 through 15 looks very different from like 16 through 18. And I don't know if that's how it breaks down in your
1: mind. That's almost exactly. That's almost exactly it. I would say, um, just the segue is that when I was, you know, all the things I talked about when I was in elementary school, um, I was just a weirdo, but I was remarkably unselfconscious. Mm -hmm. And I think for the first couple of years of like the preteen years, I was just as weird, but suddenly I knew I was weird and that was rough. So, um, yeah, when I started junior high, I was 11, but by the time I was like in, you know, the end of eighth grade going into ninth grade, I'm going to kind of start there with what I consider more of like my young teen years. Yeah, I really became very conscious of the fact that I wasn't very good at doing my hair. I wasn't very fashionable. Uh, uh, I was dreamy and I read too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I told jokes nobody understood and sometimes got made fun of for that. Um, mm-hmm. I had a one I had. In my memory, it was a whole year. I bet it wasn't a whole year. I bet it was like one semester, but there's like a long period of time where I did not speak. uh, That was in, I believe, eighth grade. I was at a new, no, sorry, ninth grade. I was at a new school. Wow. And I just stopped talking to people because I was so self-conscious and this was a school where like the haves and the have-nots were very clearly defined and like the popular girls actually called themselves the popular girls like they okay. like unironically they would just be like well you know we're the popular girls. Yeah. It was just like it yeah. was like something out of a movie. And I kind of got this feeling like I couldn't win so that I just didn't say anything. I just stopped. I just didn't interact. Like I was at school I you know I would talk to my teachers and my I had a couple friends but mostly I just became very withdrawn. Um wow. I'm- fascinated
0: by that. That's like a. it sounds pretty extreme the way you're saying. it. Yeah. And it wasn't like I went
1: I didn't go like goth or something. It's not like I changed my outward appearance. I didn't start rebelling. I didn't change anything about really what I did. I just clammed up and I just felt it felt like a protective thing. I think it was like I'm trying to figure out social rules in the school. I can't figure them out. And so rather than mess it up worse or dig myself a hole, I'm just gonna not exist. That's kind of how wow. I felt. Like I'm yeah. just gonna go really inward and just not open my mouth. I'm just not gonna say anything because then I can't make it worse. But then of course, you know, then they made fun of me for not talking this same group of girls. They were quite yeah. they were quite mean. Um but weirdly enough the next year I decided that had just been stupid and like was like way too much work. And I just kind of started talking again. And it's like, everyone forgot. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's really funny to think about that age, how quickly people change and how, how readily you will be accepted for whatever, like today's reality is, because Mm -hmm. you know, everyone's just dealing with kids at that age are just like dealing with right now. They're not really thinking about what you were like last year. Their whole friend group might've changed in the meantime. So at some point I just decided to kind of shed that. And was like, no, I'm going to start talking again. And I did. And it was fine. Uh, and I had, you know, I had a good little group of friends and then I moved again. So at the end of my ninth grade year, I moved and I would have been 13 going on 14 and then was going to a new school. So 14 and 15, I was at a new school. And I would say at that school, I was still kind of quiet and like figuring it out, but it was just a more accessible place to be that way. Yeah. It was just easier to fit in. Um. And my life circumstances changed a lot. I moved in with my dad instead of living with my mom. um my I started dressing differently because my stepmom was helping me with that stuff. so even though I didn't really my personality didn't change, it's kind of like I got a like a mini makeover, yeah, um, which helped me feel a little more just more comfortable. yeah, and I started doing theater mm-hmm. at fourteen and fifteen, which was like I found my thing, which was fabulous mm-hmm. um and that was really fun fun and great. And so I don't know. It's like that. I feel like even for me, 12 to 13 and 14 to 15 are like worlds apart, worlds mm-hmm. apart. Um, I will say the thing, the through line from childhood through about 16 was, I, I had already mentioned this. I always had a mean or a bossy friend and that yeah. lasted me through high school. Um, and I was very persuadable of, I mean, I'm not as much mm-hmm. as I was that back then very influenceable, very like easy to, get to go along with things. Um, and that didn't really change yeah. until I was much older. Yeah.
0: Well, oh, it's so much that ages. It it's just a lot. It is. It's I know. Like, lot. Oh. like, it's so funny because people now are like, Oh, the things that teens are dealing with now. And it's like, yes, yes. And I'm not going to say no to that, but it probably since the beginning of time, 13, 14, yeah. 15, really
1: intense. Yeah, it is very intense. Yeah. Yeah. How about you?
0: Well, the memories that come up kind of as you're talking, I had a more traditional like in terms of life circumstance, like I went from public elementary school, ended in sixth. I went to a public junior high that was seventh and eighth. And then I went to the public high school right up the road in ninth. So, you know, there are school changes that happen already in those years. Mine followed the path of most of my peers. I wasn't I didn't move or anything like that. Um, I just have to
1: quickly interject and say, I just realized when you said that. I said earlier I was 11 in sixth grade. I was 11 in seventh
0: grade. Yeah, that's bonkers. Very different. Yeah, bonkers. Yeah, sorry. Continue. No, that's fine. Um, I was still quite small for my age and late to puberty. Just to, again, paint a little visual picture. Um, And here's a little funny aside. My junior high, uh, um, you could, they only offered Spanish as your elective language program at the junior high. If you wanted to take another language at the high school, they had Latin, French, and German, I think. And you could go do first period at the high school and take your language class at first period and then walk down to the junior high. And you didn't have to. It wasn't like a particularly academically accelerated. It wasn't like that. Like, oh, the like extra bright kids go up here. It was just if you wanted to take another language. And I took Latin up at the high school. So all like 75 pounds of me would go in the morning in junior high instead of go to the junior high. I would go to the high school and walk the halls with the high schoolers. I was so small. (laughs) I was so tiny. And then with another little group of junior high kids, and then we'd walk. And that was actually really fun. I enjoyed that. But I was very small for my age. Um, I think what came out of me in those early teen years is I became very good at noticing, analyzing, and if I wanted to, emulating whatever was what I deemed to be, like, appropriately popular. So I I was never out to, like, be the most popular, but I just remember just studying the popular kids or even the kids who I thought were like just a little bit cooler than me. Again, it wasn't necessarily about the most elite in group. It was just like whatever was achievably cooler than what I was. I would notice how they did their hair, what they wore, um, like what their backpacks looked like. And I probably was that same quieter, more studious kid. Only I was studying, I was studying what was cool. I I just remember looking at the catalogs, looking at the magazines, looking at the kids on the bus. And I don't remember feeling particularly amped up about it. Like, oh, I just wish I had her hair. You know, like that cartoonish. I don't really remember that. I just remember I was probably I thought if I can notice this with within an inch of its life, I can do it if I want and mm-hmm. i I would I mean remember everyone was wearing their hair kind of half up half down because this is yep. now like early 90s mm-hmm. um, and I would just notice like what kind of beret each person wore did they still were they still doing the bangs thing of the very early 90s or were we moving on to this more like nirvana grunge thing oh the jeans like I like thrift store like thrift store jeans like uh Levi's 501 was very California grunge and the flannels in by about 93 94. And I would notice the exact like wash of the baggy Levi jeans. So it's just so funny. I was probably applying brain smarts, school smarts, to junior high fashion and social and social. I
1: I have long said that I think it's a it's totally unfair that we expect middle schoolers (laughs) to get anything done besides studying, besides social life. Like honestly, like we throw them in this situation together and then expect them to like do well on their studies when all they're really concerned about is where they fit in, in like the tribe or the, you know, herd or whatever. Um, and that takes up so much energy. So yeah, you were probably applying all of those like skills that you have as a planner and a detail person. All of that was getting applied to something that was not going to get you a good test score. Not to say you didn't also get a good test score, but you know what I mean? Like it was so much work to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I guess the last thing I'll say about this age is I definitely went through friend transitions uh, more than once, which I think is really normal. Um, So I had the friends I kind of came out of elementary school with. We kind of went slightly different ways in junior high, met some new friends in junior high. And then I also, because I was starting to get really into dance, I really started to deepen my friendships outside of school. Or sometimes these people went to my school, but like we were more friends at dance. And so. And then you said you found theater and I would say I had already been dancing, but definitely that became like a big part of my identity. By 14, 15, by ninth grade, um, I had almost turned that hyper awareness of what's cool toward ballet. So then I was like noticing I was it was the dance magazines I was reading and it was the leotards and it was the skirts and it was the scrunchies. And so like it, it stayed. But I think dance and dance friends by the time I'm 15 are like my whole life. Um, and and yeah. fr- I think friendship transition. I think I feel pretty lucky. I went through a couple of friendships that probably weren't so good, but I I never had a spectacular breakup. It was almost like, it was like, oh, I'm going to try this friend. No, I'm going to veer over here. It felt more gradual than like a huge like in group, out group or like a huge change right. like some people go through. So. Yeah. Hmm. Oh my gosh. Well, should we talk about like m- later, like, like true high uh, school, like 16, 17?
1: Well, yeah. And I mean, so much of what you were just, saying about your studying of the I feel like that's something I could not figure out when I was yeah. that age um and that lasted me you know through through college as well like there was a a figuring out of the systems that I feel and when I say systems I mean everything from how you get your work done right on time and get the grade you want or whatever um how you fit in in the right groups how you do your hair which jeans you wear like all of those things were really systems. And I think that I was terrible at figuring systems out, really bad at it. So for example, in high school, I didn't realize that the reason most of my friends were getting really good grades is that they were all getting together and studying. I could have done that. I could have easily done that. And I knew they were doing it. I knew they were getting together and studying, but I was just like, well, I'll just figure it out on my own. Like, I just didn't realize the power then of like, not trying to reinvent the wheel, just yeah. doing the thing that other people have already figured out, just showing up and doing what is laid out for you yeah. will get you good results. I was like, no, 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 no. The way I'm going to do it, C, <laughs> is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to study like trigonometry all on my own. And I'm going to come up with like this fast way to learn it. And it just it never worked. So I guess I would just say my academic and fashion and all of those struggles that I had from, you know at the age of 13, 14, 15, 16, all of those things, a lot of times was me just not recognizing that like someone had already kind of cleared the path. Yeah, All I had to do was walk down it. Yeah, Like I really didn't have to think so hard and try to like, I, I worried about popularity as many kids do not. I didn't want to be the most popular girl, but I wanted to be, you know, somewhat popular. And I didn't realize that like, it was easier than I thought maybe that's like, it was all easier than I had made it it out to myself. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the thing I will say that never went away. That honestly stuck with me. The thing that did change is that I just had a huge leap of confidence. I'm going to say like the end of my 11th grade year, which again, for me, I was only 15. um, So almost 16. Almost 16. Um, But I just had a big leap forward in confidence. And I remember very clearly going to like my first party where there were like, I mean, people were drinking, I didn't, but like, I was like, um, and my brother took me and he was older and he was cool. And there was like a wide range of ages there. So it was like kids in my grade and, you know, but like some graduates and some like younger college kids all at this party. And it was like the beginning of the summer. So I think we had gotten out of school for the summer. It might've been that same weekend. Mm -hmm. And I remember walking around talking to people and thinking, oh my gosh, people like me. Like, I'm likable and not like I didn't think I was, I had friends. I'd always had friends, Yeah, but I didn't think of myself as the kind of person who would be popular, yeah. like who would be likable on a mass scale because I just felt clueless yeah. a lot of the time. So I'd have my friends or whatever, and that was great, but I just didn't even really, I didn't really even strive to be any kind of top dog. It wasn't even like my brain was, wasn't there. Yeah. Well, anyway, I kind of figured that out. And then I think it became a bit of a monster because when I think back of my senior year, I was like the life of the party. I was at every single party. Um, I was doing really stupid things at a lot of those parties. I was like sought after. I had a huge group of female friends that had a lot of drama. in it. I mean, just like all the things I had never really had. Yeah, you were
0: making up for lost time.
1: Suddenly had it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess I would just say that 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 quietness and that shyness and that self-consciousness kind of melted away, but it was still there in some way. Yes. I was just, you know, either I was really coming into who I really was because I found the confidence or I was covering up who I really was, yeah. which is like more of an introverted dreamy quiet person to try to kind of try on this new identity as the person who shows up for every social thing yes, and knows everybody and is liked by everybody and sought after by everybody. And that lasted a couple of years. So I don't really know. What to make of that. Like, I sometimes think was the truth, like the true me somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, or was the true me truly the girl talking to trees Yeah. and herself in the yeah. woods? I just don't know.
0: Well, probably and probably all or, like, that's what I was going to say. It's like, it's, it's all. Um, and, yeah. and it was a season for sure. Well, I actually have a lot of parallels as different as we are. I think there's some parallels, which is making me think that there's some pretty hardwired developmental Like stages we're talking about, like you and I don't have the medical and the psychological like books in front of us, but it just seems like there are some we keep talking about the same type of stages, even though it sounds like we were pretty different in our personalities. So, um, well, I remember getting my braces off. So I'm going to start this right around 16. That's why I asked, like, how old were you? You were about to turn 16 when you felt like you had this, like butterfly like emergence. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's very close to me. So I have a February birthday. So I turned 16 in the middle of my sophomore year of high school and I got my braces off. I got my driver's license and I got a real boyfriend within like three weeks of each other. Like it all happened (laughs) all at once in the winter of my turning 16. And I just remember feeling like myself, Like, I just like I felt like I had remember all that watching and that analyzing and that like waiting. I felt like I had wanted to be a little cooler, wanted to be a little older, was paying so much attention to what that whatever that meant to me. And then all of a sudden I was it. Um, I just I loved driving. I loved having my driver's license. I was in acapella choir and I all of a sudden had a lot of friends who were one and two years older than me. And similar to you going to that party and thinking, oh, my gosh, these people want to talk to me. I think I had a real ego boost of people who were one and two years older than me all of a sudden wanting to, like, include me. They did. To my mind, they did very grown up things like they would go to, like, a coffee shop and drink coffee after choir practice or whatever. (laughs) And they were they wanted me to hang out with them. And it was like it was totally was like that coming out of the awkward early teen and being like, wait, no, I'm someone who actually can hang out with these people who were, they were only a year and two older than me, but we know that makes a huge difference. If I'm newly 16, they are 17 and 18 and everything they did seemed so grown up. They were applying to colleges. Like within a few months, some of them went away to college. I remember that first batch of friends I had who left that were a year or two older than me. And it just felt like unimaginably independent what they were doing. Um, And I think I really enjoyed that. It was like I had wanted that independence and that kind of like self that feeling of self reliance for a long time. And then all of a sudden I had it. So I had a really good last couple of years of high school. I had really good friends. I had my choir friends at school. I had a few friends who were more in my classes at school. And then I had my dance friends outside of school. Um, I had a lot of freedom and independence. I like and I was still very academically driven. So I was like, doing a lot of those study groups you talked about. I was busy. Like I would go to yeah. ballet. I would stay up and do my homework. I would make plans on the weekend. I had I wasn't partying. Thankfully, that's how I got the rest done until the very end of my senior year. And then also like you made up for a little lost time on the party scene. Um, but I had a lot going on and I felt I was really happy. I think from like like 16, 17 and 18 were good. Like they were good adolescent years for me.
1: I love that. And I do think that you're right. There's something that's happening and I see it happening in my kids. Like, yeah, there is a blossoming that happens where you kind of come into yourself. And I think sometimes you can go, I think what I ended up doing was just going a little overboard. I was like, wait, I'm actually not shy. I remember (laughs) actually figuring out, it turns out I really like to be the center of attention. I had no idea until I started doing theater. Then I kind of figured it out. And then that one thing leads to another. Right. And then I'm like, oh wait, I can also hold my own in a group of people, like in a social event that feels really good sometimes I think, like I said, I think I created a little bit of a monster for a couple of years and then had to kind of tone that back. But, but it it did feel like, yeah, like I'm myself. I'm kind of coming into myself.
0: Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. This feels like, well, we have to wrap up. It is time, but, um, was really fun. And I do feel like there's probably more we could do with a similar topic. So absolutely. This This was was really fun. fun.
1: Well, before we wrap up, I want to remind everybody about our sponsor, AutoApprove. With AutoApprove, you can lower your monthly car payment, get a better rate or both to put more of your money back in your pocket. Get your free quote and see how much you can save at autoapprove.com slash mama
0: Yeah. And then join us coming up on Tuesday. We have part two of that week of real life housework uh, episode that we started last week. Definitely go back and listen to part one. This is one where you want to have the foundation of what we talked about uh, this past Tuesday before you listen to this coming Tuesday. Megan, we have a lot of deep thoughts about uh, running a home and housework. Do. Yeah, so um, buckle up for that one, friends. We'll talk to you on Tuesday. Talk to you then.
1: The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica.
0: Tell
1: your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code theMomHour. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E R I K A dot A P P, and use code theMomHour to save 20%. Sarah, I started a Substack last spring, just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life.
0: Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general.
1: You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom or listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, francis.substack.com.